Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Allison here from No Mama Left Behind, the podcast. Hi, moms. Welcome to season two, episode two. We have a fantastic guest on today. Um, She is in LMFT. Um, Her name is Bree. You can find her at Conscious Mommy. And we have some really great convos with her that obviously I am like all up into. We talk about attachment parenting, like what that is, like why it's trending recently. Um, And Marcy and I catch you up on our life as usual. Um, We're a little bit, uh, what's a good word for it? Basically, it's late at night (laughs) when we record. and as you guys probably know, a mom is pretty much useless after uh, 8 p.m. or so. So enjoy um, the intro to this episode. And as always, follow us on No Mama Left Behind underscore the podcast. Um, email us. I don't have Marcy here to uh, help me with the email, but it is No Mama Left Behind the podcast at gmail.com. Boom. Um, and also go follow us on Apple Podcasts because if you do that, then you'll automatically receive and be notified um, each week when we release an episode. Um, and while you're there, give us a like, give us five stars um, if you're feeling freaky. And we appreciate you guys as always. Enjoy. Join motherhood wellness expert Allison from The Honest Peach and pelvic floor and women's health expert Dr. Marcy at the Down There Doc as they do a deep dive into all things hashtag mom. They add professional expertise, humor, truth, their own experiences, and host expert guests to discuss what the hell is happening during motherhood and how to prioritize your health as a mama. You'll find zero tips on potty training, but we'll learn all the tips on putting yourself and your health and well-being first among pee field sheets and rage cleaning. It's all about motherhood, vaginas, and everything in between. Hashtag no, no mama, mama left behind. Hi folks, I'm live in downtown Dayton here with... <laughs> Marcy Crouch. <laughs> you guys, today has been a. I, what is, what is happening? Also, I Two. hear something suspect in the background. Hold on, I gotta just yell at the dog really quick. Are there, oh, she's, okay. Just a second. I'll just be here. Oh, she's muting. Okay, she's yelling and she's muting. You guys, her dog is so cute. Oh my god. I'm going to steal her. Okay. That was actually the dryer. (laughs) Okay. I think. I don't know. Either she's eating my house or the dryer is working. Okay. Um, Those those are two very different outcomes. Dude. How have you been? How's the week been? (laughs) (laughs) I just posted on my stories today that I'm so sick of talking about my health. Like, yeah. I'm so sick of it. But, like, I'm getting over my illness. I thought I was dying for, like, a half a, a half a day. Turns out I wasn't dying. 
Part of that was my fault. It wasn't your fault. You were no. I was concerned, and I was concerned. Yeah, I had a sketchy MRI result come back, and then my doctor was like not handling it well, and was like, "You need to get a CT scan stat," which I was like, "Mm, "Okay, that sounds pretty urgent." Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Marcy. Anyway, long story short, Marcy sent my results to someone who was like, this looks serious. You should go to the ER. Turns out it was like an artifact finding, I guess, is a terminology and that it wasn't a blood clot in my brain. And Mm -hmm. I'm here another day. Although the radiologist interpreted the artifact finding as correct. A blood clot. I mean, it's said in the report. Yes, there is a infarct thrombosis same oh that is yeah infarct just means dead tissue so nice 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 nice. yeah yeah so it's been a really great week yeah but like i told allison and what i tell my patients all the time is like i would rather be wrong oh my god yeah well and i saw my doctor today and she was like no i don't i don't blame you you know one bit for for going yeah for sure i'm kind of like well next time do you think you could just call me maybe you could call me <laughs> give me a little ringy dingy Dude, that me. was friday that those results came in on the Dude, friday yeah. and then honestly i kind of lost a little faith in her after that because i was like mm. so you saw what i saw and then you just said to get a ct stat on monday on monday yeah anyway anyway um, but we're done talking about my health unless something else comes up. Okay. We're moving on. I'm fine with that. Okay, great. 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 How great, are great. You you know, I'm okay. I um what happened today? So, I Wait, we need to tell everyone what's happening right now. Okay. Marcy and I <laughs> it's <laughs> bedtime. So they know why we're like a little slower. <laughs> it is oh. currently almost bedtime for us. And we had it's to. Bedtime. We had to postpone. <laughs> <laughs> we had to postpone recording because Marcy's son broke out in a rash. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it and- was just like. Like you guys, we've had to postpone recordings because every time, you know, we have a set recording time and it's twice either- a week, by the way, which <laughs> is for many hours. It's not just, it's not just like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. We have two days a week built into our schedule, built into our schedules, blocked out for three hours. And it was, I'm sick. My kid is sick. I'm sick. My kid is sick. Like back and forth. I'm in the emergency room. <laughs> I'm going to I'm- the- <laughs> fuck so anyway we're here we've we we have our wine which is the first time we've recorded with wine no oh we did it when you were visiting me been margaritas though not wine margaritas. oh okay so funny story about wine that i wanted to say on air i texted marcy before this and i was like okay are you really drinking wine 
It's like, I'm not going to open a bottle if you're not. And the reason I asked that is because the first live we ever did, this was when we like barely knew each other, but we like knew mm-hmm. we were best friends. Mm-hmm. And we had said like, oh, bringing wine, you know? And so I came with my wine <laughs> and you get on the, the Zoom and you're like, I'm drinking herbal tea. <laughs> me? Like, Fuck. Yes. Are you sure that was me? Herbal I'm positive. tea. I'm po- I mean, maybe not herbal, but like you were drinking tea. What the fuck? Why would I drink tea? I don't That's know. So unlike me. But I remember like taking a sip and going, oh, yeah, no, this is. This Are you is sure? Wine. Oh, my God, dude. Yes, we can go back and look. Fuck. I am pretty sure that I had wine on that. A rose. Maybe, maybe you were telling me that it was tea. Maybe we were both like trying to be, you know. I was this like, is, I'm in, it's a kombucha. herbal tea. <laughs> It's a kombucha. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I just wanted Ugh. to set the scene. Please okay, take it no, away. Now we're about your life. We're definitely drinking wine at bedtime. So yeah, Will has this fucking gnarly rash. I don't understand. I thought yeah. for a minute, I I panicked. I my mind went in two directions. Okay, one was chicken pox. Yes, but everyone's been vaccinated. I had it as a kid. Nobody in school has had it. Like that would be very strange no yeah. fever and he has no fever and chicken pox starts on the trunk and then migrates out which i did not know but his, did you find that in your google search um yes and the pediatrician told me this morning oh okay. and i have a tip about rashes remind me this is a rashes. good this is a good tip that she showed me today. i got a gonna, tip about rashes I don't let me forget about, to tell you i'm gonna put it on my legal pad okay. tip rashes um Okay, so chickenpox, and I just was like, oh my God, no. And his started on legs and arms. Okay. Okay. And then we, I don't think I told you this, but we have the upstairs room that is a guest room. We, the quarantine room, (laughs) the quarantine room, which is the ambulance. Brent, for a year or two years since we lived in the house, has been saying that he wants to change that room into like, a like a bonus room where the kids can just like run around and be crazy. Okay. Stop changing your filters. <laughs> I didn't know you could see me. Of course I can see. It's a video filter. I don't know why, but this is this is subtle. This is nice. Which okay, so keep um no, it's seafoam. Oh, seafoam's a good one. <laughs> I feel like these are stripper names. There you go. Ooh, that's a good one. Not that one. Seafoam. Oh, you're seafoam too? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Okay, sorry. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry. Anyway, so he's been saying for like two years that he wants to make that room up there like kind of a bonus room and get, you know, just so the kids can run around because they just jump on the furniture downstairs and they're just crazy. And finally, I agreed this last weekend. So we moved the queen guest bed into Jonathan's room. So we have like a bigger bed for my parents when they come or whatever. And then we bought this couch, this like huge sectional that is gigantic. What? Yeah. Wait, so where huge. is Will sleeping now? In his room. That never changed. Okay. First of all, check your tude. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have my floor plan fucking memorized. You idiot. No, They're I thought Jack I- and Jill. I know, but I thought you said that you moved the queen into his room. Into Jonathan's room. Where is Jonathan sleeping? In the queen bed. 
Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um, okay. So, and I got, I bought the couch for 47% off because it was a floor model. It was like clearance back in the back at the furniture store. Yeah. So we get the couch up there upstairs and they had, it was a complete shit show. I can't believe we got this couch up the stairs. It's gigantic. It's like three oh my God. sections. It's Send huge. Picks. I will. And the people at the store were like, oh yeah, it's been returned two times because people get it home and it's just too big. And I was like, okay. So then I thought he had bed, bed bugs. I was like, it's from the couch. Cause they're like jumping on the couch and rolling around. And I was like, it's oh, been in somebody's no. home. Like, You're like we got bugs. fleas. We yeah, got fleas. For, yes. But Jonathan didn't have any, like, you know, Brent and I don't have any. So, and I was like looking with my flashlight in the seam of the couch to look for, oh my bugs. God, nothing. Light. Yes, it was fine. So anyway, Long story short, he's fine. He just has this viral viral rash that looks gnarly, but it's not contagious. And it's just, she said it could go away in two months. Oh, good. Good. That's a good timetable. I mean, he's covered. It's like all over. His face too? Starting to. Yeah, on his cheek. Poor buddy. Yeah, it's everywhere. He's like a leper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But it, so, it doesn't like bug him a ton, right? It itch- no, it itches. Oh, it, it does. Do- yeah, it Dang does. It. I know. So I so she said like Benadryl at nights or tick during the day. She gave me a steroid cream and then like yeah. oatmeal, oatmeal bath and stuff. But dude, why doesn't anyone talk about how much kids get sick? I know. Why didn't I know that this was a thing? And where the fuck did this come from? I don't know. Yeah. Like, like if it's not what, contagious, like, yeah, she said, Oh, it's a viral rash. Sometimes like when the immune system goes down it kind of like pops up. And I was like, what? She's like, you know, sometimes with like hepatitis. Oh, but he doesn't have hepatitis. I'm like, I, I know he doesn't have hepatitis. Oh my <laughs> like, God. What are you fucking talking about? So yeah, but it's fine. He's fine. <sighs> Just, Good. But I'm supposed to go out of town this weekend. And I, um, was nervous about it because I didn't know what yeah. the fuck it was. And then my babysitter who was, who's coming to take care of the kids is in fucking quarantine because her boyfriend tested positive two days ago. So then I'm nice. like, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So then I'm like scrambling to try to fucking find sitters to come. Cause Brent's going to be out of town too. And it's just, yeah, I can imagine leaving them overnight with a sitter yeah. is tougher, but they're not like they don't wake up at night, right? Like they just no, sleep. They, they sleep, yeah. Yeah. And he'll be so I'm leaving Friday and Brent's leaving Saturday. And then yeah. oh yeah. So it's like a little over like twenty four hours. hours. Yeah. About. Yeah. It's fine. That shit's it's expensive. Fine. But yeah, and I do feel like guilty about it, you know. Yeah. Well, remember what we talked about though. Like, is this guilt or is this just like discomfort over leaving them? I don't know. Both, maybe. So for me, what I noticed, we use mom guilt as like a blanket term. Mm -hmm. But like, there's a big difference between I'm, you know, uncomfortable leaving my kids because I love them and I worry about them. And mm-hmm. all that stuff versus guilt, which implies mm-hmm. like wrongdoing. I shouldn't be doing this. This is selfish. Um, I mean, I feel I feel that. I feel that for sure. 
especially like selfish. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I feel that a lot with a lot of the stuff that I do on my own that, that like I'm being selfish and not putting like the kids first. Interesting because I feel like on a rational level and especially since you're my friend, you know that that's not true, but it sounds like that's like a trigger point for you. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, because I'm going this weekend, right. To like, no kid, like none. This is like a horse weekend. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's like costs a little bit of money and I'm leaving my kids with a babysitter and I'm not working this weekend <laughs> and my husband's going to be out of town. And I that always sounds like, like a great fucking idea to me. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. But it's going like, to be this, awesome, dude. This money. Like, should I, I shouldn't be spending it. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. If we don't do these things for ourselves, then we get resentful because Mm -hmm. we never do anything for ourselves. And then we're miserable when sometimes it's our own fucking doing. Like, if your husband is like, go, like, you need it. And your kids are fine. They're always going to be fine. You would never leave them with someone you don't trust. Yeah. And like, that's it. Fill your cup, dude. Yeah, I know. Like if you didn't go, you would be so sad all weekend. I like know. I know. It's going to be some really fun. It's going to be cold as shit. It's so cold here right now. Dude, I walked outside <laughs> today and it like took my breath away. I was like, <gasps> holy like a, bananas. Yeah, it's, there's like a cold snap. It's really wanting 20 cold. degrees outside. Same. Yeah. It, we're supposed to like get ice. <laughs> Ice? Did you say ice? I did in Alabama. Yes, ice. Yeah, you guys got got snow the other day. We did. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else to catch up on on your legal pad that you have there? Oh, the rash. The tip for the rash. <laughs> rash tip. Rash tip. Wait, okay. let me grab my oh, email. You know what? We need to read an email too. Okay. So this is what the pediatrician said when we were checking out the rash. Okay. She said, if you blant, if you like touch the rash like, and, you know, kind of like run your finger over it. And if it blanches, which means, you know, turns white, that's a good sign. It's not like a bad rash, which means, you know, not that it's like a good rash, but it's like, you know, not contagious. It's not like anything, whatever. So all of his like blanched everywhere. And I was like, God, that is a great, that would give me a ton of peace of mind. So what would happen? Like, what's the other option? Like it turns redder or. Yeah. I don't think it would change. Okay. You know what I mean? And because like chicken pox wouldn't blanch, like it would stay crusty. Okay. Hot tip. Well, (laughs) though, though at that point, mom is fucked if it is contagious. (laughs) (laughs) Let me try to blanch it. Let me see. I know. No, that is a good tip though. And I mean, let's be real. If our kids get something, we're getting it. Like we're getting it. It's only a matter of time. Ellie literally sneezed into my mouth mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Like I felt it on my lip. <laughs> <laughs> You're like mm, droplets. Um. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm gonna pull up an email. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hold on. Okay. You ready for an email? Yes. Yes. Okay. This is 
subject line says a birth story for the fucking books. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) And a huge victory for informed consent. All right. Hooray. Hooray. Hey, NMLB writing here as a listener from day one. I absolutely adored all of season one and cannot tell you guys how much I appreciate your podcast. I delivered my son. I know I delivered my son in May and was in the midst of some pretty intense baby blues and anxiety when I was referred to your podcast. At that time, episode one had only come out and I was immediately hooked. You two are literal angels and magicians all at the same time. God, I'm putting that in my bio. Angel and magician. Yes. Yes. That's what we should be for Halloween. At the very same time. <laughs> an angel uh, and a magician. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. That's a good idea for a merch, though. An angel, an angel and a magician. magician. <laughs> With the white gloves. <laughs> I wear gloves. That's very good, Mars. <laughs> That's neat. That is. <laughs> Okay. Wait, when do you wear gloves? When I'm working on vaginas. Oh. Okay. Wow. I know that during I can't your season. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Um, okay, okay. Carry on. I know that during your season wrap up, you put out a call for birth stories. And let me tell you, mine is pretty much the poo poo platter of all birth stories. <laughs> I'm totally down to write everything out if you guys would like to hear the whole lowdown, but it incorporates a 24-hour failed induction, which, why do we call it failed? Definitely not mama-centered language. Getting discharged and going home. Having my water spontaneously break after taking two melatonin. Laboring all day, pushing for four hours, and then having my sunny side up stubborn kid get stuck in my pelvis, resulting in a C-section. Whoa. The ex- this experience totally have g- totally could have been hell on wheels. <laughs> That's a funny saying. Hell on wheels. <laughs> but the informed consent that I experienced was absolutely phenomenal. I never felt out of control and I truly was treated like a member of my own team. The stage was set to have a completely traumatic and uncontrolled experience, but I was lucky enough to have a team treat me like a human. The more I talk to other women, the more I find out that this is all caps, not the fucking norm. And I think that every mama out there should be well-versed and informed consent in the medical field, well-versed in informed consent in the medical field. I am a school social worker by trade and got absolutely screwed with maternity leave. Yeah, same. I had been screened by Allison to be a client. And unfortunately, out without a paid leave, I was only receiving about a quarter of my normal paychecks and couldn't afford my own mental health care. But I'm super excited to hop on now that I'm getting real paychecks again. And after five months of bare bones life, fuck the patriarchy. It's absolutely bullshit that we don't treat maternity leave as an essential part of parenting emotionally, physically, or financially. I know. Amen. As you guys can probably tell, I'm a total champion for mama's equality, providing easy access to resources and helping women feel the most empowered that they can. You guys are my superheroes and I can't thank you enough for your pod. Again, totally always down to share the birth story that could have gone to hell, but didn't because of informed consent. Keep rocking and best of luck with your inner and outer children. Oh, thank you for that. She's awesome. I do want to hear a little bit more about this. 
story. Which because she she says in her she says that twenty four hour failed induction, and then getting discharged and going home. Then her water breaks at home. laboring all day, pushing for four hours and then going for, I need more details than this. Okay. Lady. Well, well, doesn't that happen sometimes where like you go to get induced? No, it's like, that's all that's it. Yeah. Maybe I'm misreading this. If you're induced, you're staying in, you're not leaving without that baby. But if you go in on your own, like they could potentially send you home if you're not like, yeah. I need I need some more deets, sister. So maybe uh, maybe she meant like they swept her membranes or something, no, something non pitocin related. I don't know, girl. I want to know more. I require more details. I want to know about your <laughs> vagina. I want to know about the medication. I want the timeline. Yes, I want the situation. Okay. I love a good birth story. I do too. Like a good one, you know? Yeah. Mine's a good They're birth all... story. Yeah. No, oh, I mean good, like, like positive. that has, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We hear a lot of like the traumatic ones, mm-hmm. but I think it's important. And you pointed that out too. When I was telling my birth story, you were like, um, people got to hear the good ones too, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's something. Yeah. hundred uh-huh. percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we have a review to read? I think no. I think I I read that the last time, and my cat is no. attacking my cord. So no, that's we don't. fine. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Okay, we have an awesome guest. So awesome. Well, yeah. you know, I'm I'm all in. She's really Sink good. I my think- teeth into that. <laughs> <laughs> this is um Brie Kappa. I we talk about this a little bit in the next segment, so I won't bore you with the details. But I know Brie. Um, we work together close to each other in Los Angeles. Um, she's a mental health provider. She owns a company where she does mom's groups, and then she also has um some online stuff. Conscious parenting, I believe, is her Instagram handle. Conscious mommy. Uh yeah. <laughs> Brie. We'll have it in the we'll have the right one in the show notes. Yeah. One Honda. Just, hold on. I thought it was conscious. Conscious mommy, you're exactly right. Yeah. I know. But she does say conscious parenting after that. So she's a, a psychotherapist. She's awesome. And we are talking with her about um what attachment parenting means. Like what the fuck does that even mean? You know, I was really into this episode because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like a hot topic and like just like a word that's thrown Mm -hmm. around. Like, yeah, I practice attachment parenting. And it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we all want fucking good attachment. Like was a child like, yeah, there is attachment theory. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's attachment theory isn't. Isn't used in that context, though, it explains various types of attachment styles Mm -hmm. that come from childhood. So it was a really great chat with her. And uh, I don't know. I Have you started like inner child work at all? We talk Mm -hmm. about inner and outer child, but with your therapist. Mm -mm. God, that's what I want. Tangent mountain. That's what I wanted to fucking say. Oh, great. 
before you start that, let me just let out my asshole cat because now he's he's scratching the door. So one sec. Okay. <laughs> okay, so tell me about your therapist. Tell me all the things. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I'm gonna row with the oh, big boy. boy. <laughs> Marcy, I just peed. Oh, no. I need to do your course. That's I it. Know. Damn it. I know. I know. Okay, go. Um. Okay, no, it wasn't. I got in a fucking fight with my mom the other day. Dude, it's been a minute. Yes. She like lost her mind on the phone and just completely like went crazy. Melted down on you. Yeah. I mean, what? Oh my God. She has so much shit going on. She's got so much stuff going on and they're coming here in a couple of weeks. Cause I'm going to my conference in San Antonio and it's the conference I go to every year. It's an annual conference for PT. And, um, you know, I, we plan, I plan it in the summertime because that's how long it takes for me to plan shit. <laughs> like when I go out of town, Amen. Yes. Amen. yeah, I don't just like go out of town the day that yeah. I would like to go out of town. Um, and so I called my parents to check in and my dad was like, Hey, is a conference still going on? And I was like, yeah, it's happening still. They say they're not going to stop it unless Texas has something that's like a federal shutdown, which <laughs> Texas will never do. So it's going on full, full pandemic ain't here in Texas, yeah. same here in Alabama. It's not here either. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he was like, he was like, Oh, you know, I told him, I was like, no, it's still going on, but you know, they are, if you cancel, they are like letting you defer your registration to next year. And a lot of people are canceling and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, okay, well, you know, just keep us posted. And I was like, of course, like nothing has changed up now. And then my mom in the background starts like, like fucking hyperventilating. She's like, well, well, what do you mean? She doesn't know. Is she going to cancel? What does that mean? Like, and starts freaking out. And I was like, no, I didn't say anything about that. I'm just telling you that other people are canceling. So then she gets on the phone and she's like, she's like, what's happening? And I'm like, I don't, nothing is happening. Like I, nothing. And then she's like, well, is Brent going to be home? And I'm like, I don't know if Brent's going to be home. That's the whole point of you guys coming because yeah, I don't know. Like it's recruiting season. Like I, I'm not sure, you know, yeah. <laughs> that that's why you're coming yeah. here. Like we talked about this, you know, six months ago, she's like, well, I can't believe that you don't know. And, and how come you don't know? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, that's, I don't know. And then she, and I was like, mom, are you upset about something? She's like, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on and you don't know what's going on and nobody knows what's going on. And then like, just totally lost her mind. And I was like, whoa. Okay. So then I text my dad later and I was like, dude, <laughs> what the fuck? WTF. Yeah. And I was like, if this is stressing mom out, like I'll cancel. Like, I don't want to be another, you know, yeah. whatever. And he's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So then she texted me in the morning and my mom, the air, retired air force colonel who is like, the American Gothic, you know, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. painting, like she's yes. not with the pitchfork. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she was like, sorry for being bitchy. Okay. And I was like, okay. That's... Okay. Yeah. I was like, we'll take that though. I was like, it's okay. You have a lot going on. Like, I know it wasn't me, but like, she's yeah. fucking. Yeah. Yeah. In- but then, yeah. but you're her child. So that's always going to trigger like little Marcy, like, mm-hmm. like, like the mother, the mother wound, you yeah, know, dude, like wh- she just fucking went crazy. <sighs> so anyway, tangent mountain. 
So did you talk to your therapist about it? Well, I started to text her about it because we don't have a next session. We don't have a session until next week. And then the rash and I had to go to the pediatrician and all the things. So she was like, tell me what happened. And then I like sent her half the story. And then I think I stopped texting. So it's probably like the dancing dots. She's like, wow, she's been texting for oh, 10 my God. hours. You need so. to, you need to do that. I know. I know. I'm going to send her a voice message because it's just easier than texting. I'm going to do it tonight after we're done. That's that's neat that you can text her. Mm -hmm. What app do you use again? Talkspace. 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 Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, work through that. This is a great example of a trigger Mm -hmm. of something that you can journal about. Mm -hmm. And something that I do with my clients a lot is what did this bring up for you? What feelings? And when, as a child, do you remember feeling this way? And that usually brings up a lot of shit to talk about. Well, I was talking to Brent about it after it happened. And I was like, you know, I just feel like, like sad for my mom that she doesn't have like an Mm. outlet for her feelings and that Mm. she just like, she cannot cope. Like, yeah, she cannot cope. Like she, we didn't talk about feelings. Yeah. You know, like she doesn't talk about it. Like when she's upset, she goes to bed, you know, like she's an avoider or she's a blow upper. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what a fucking miserable way to live. Like she can't. It's a weird thing when you realize that you are more emotionally mature than your parents. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. like growing up, you always, you know, you put them on a pedestal no matter who your parent is, just because they're your parents. Mm-hmm. And then as you age, you know, you're sort of like, oh, okay, you're not perfect, mm-hmm. which is fine. But then you start looking at their coping skills and like once you have your own kids and you're like, huh, this is mm-hmm. this is new. I know. Did so you- that's why inner child work. Huh? No, keep going. Go ahead. No, no, no you go. I was just going to say that's why inner child work is so wonderful to do once you're a parent. Mm. Um, because as you parent your kids, you can heal your own inner child. Um, and it sounds like there's a little bit of like, like you're, it's not your responsibility for her to be well, you know? Yeah, I know. It's so wild though, because like, I mean, I think there's definitely a generational thing too, you know, and oh hell's yeah, like that generation and from the, you know, East coast and like Pennsylvania Dutch, like she's not like being vulnerable you know, like ever, ever, like she couldn't be vulnerable in her work. I mean, she couldn't vulnerability is well, the air force is changing, but for a long time, it was vulnerability is weakness. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, not, I mean, fuck. I mean, when my dad went to the Academy, they didn't let women enroll. Yeah. Like my mom couldn't go to the Academy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's That's like wild. It's a completely different. I mean, she was one of the first women officers. Like she retired as a full colonel. Yeah, that's cool. 
and my dad, and she told me that my, a lot of my dad's colleagues like stopped being friends with them when she would outrank them. Isn't it wild? Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. I think it's no, that's okay. I think it's, I mean, it's kind of relevant. It can go one of two ways, you know? And I think also when you become a parent, you realize how hard it is to be a parent and just like an adult. Did you just smell your armpit? No. Oh, <laughs> but it does smell good. I just showered. I thought you did a casual smell. Like just checking in here. Anyway, we'll wrap this up by saying becoming a parent and realizing that parents are not superhuman, that we're just who we were before kids trying to mm-hmm. figure shit out also gives you a lot more compassion for yeah your parents. And, and you might- a lot of the parents in our generation, their parents were pretty shitty because people were kind of shittier back then you know yeah and it just kind of it's interesting too because I it just gives you like a sense of understanding you know like I will say this last thing and then we'll be talking about this is that like I was upset that she was acting like that but then I was like this is not directed at me yeah I didn't do anything wrong She's very stressed about other things. And Mm -hmm. I just happened to call at this time Mm -hmm. like this. And I think before, like before I started doing therapy and before I started, you know, like talking with you, I think I probably would have been like, this is my fault. I did something to her, you know, like, yes, you know, so that was a thousand percent. That was like a very interesting shift in the way that I could tell that. Even it. when you were telling the story, because mm. like I remember when we first met and you would tell stories like that, it was almost like your demeanor changed too mm-hmm. into this like you kind of like crawled inside yourself, mm. you know. Oh fuck! I got a drink on that one, and it was like, eh. you know. Mm-hmm. And when you were telling that story, it was very much like, look, it's all good, but like, fuck, yeah. clearly you got some stuff going on. Yeah, it's all good. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's good. Real On time that changes. note, I know that's true. On that note, that's a great segue. Great segue. Let's talk with Brie. She's awesome. You guys will love her. It's really interesting shit. Follow her and let us know what you think about the sode. Here she comes. And it will be. Hey, moms. We are back with a good friend of mine and a colleague, Brianna Capadacanal. We met in. Los Angeles. When I had my clinic there, Brie is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's also a perinatal to five mental health specialist. So she's here today. We're going to talk about so many awesome things to help you with your mental health, with parenting. We're going to keep it real. I'm probably going to cry a little bit because I always do. (laughs) And we're just so happy to have her here and share her wisdom. So Brie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Marcy. Thank you, Allison. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Southern California. I also have two kids. I have a three-year-old and I have a 10-month-old. So I'm like kind of in the- You're in it. Yeah. Two months left of pumping and I'm so excited. Oh oh my God. Hooray! with pumping. I run a mom center here in Redondo Beach called South Bay Mommy and Me. And then I have um, a little online 
thing that I do called Conscious Mommy, where I connect with moms who are wanting to consciously and intentionally raise their children. And the idea here is that we've kind of been conditioned to believe that we are raising our children by the things that we do from them, do for them. But really, I believe we are raising ourselves and raising our own consciousness, our own self-awareness, our own self-understanding. And then through that, we will free these children from whatever baggage and life narratives and issues we have and let them really pursue their life in the way that the way that they need to and the way that they've been designed to. It also allows us to be able to pursue the things in our lives the way that we need to. So that's my whole mission with families. Like, let's stop controlling our kids. Let's stop helicoptering mm-hmm. everybody. Let's stop feeling so anxious and so, you know, overwhelmed by just like, the overparenting that mm. we are being um, asked to do mm. and really dial it in, slow it down, listen to ourselves and feel a bit more grounded in the process. The word that's been thrown around on Instagram, you know, is being regulated. And that's a mm-hmm. you know psychological word that we use in psychology. Where when we're talking about regulation, we're talking about nervous system regulation. So we're talking about just like our heart rate mm-hmm. and our breath and the tension and things that are in our body. These are these are metrics that we can all tap into every single moment of the day. We can notice, hey, is my is my heart rate pulsing right now? That's information. Whatever is happening at this current moment is stressing me. It's stressing me out. What am I thinking about? What am I experiencing that is stressing me out right now? We like to automatically blame the child or the partner or the dishes in the sink or the traffic or, you know, fill in the blank. We like to blame all these outside factors that's impacting our regulation. I don't really think that blame is serving us. What I think serves us more is for us to recognize, this is a moment for me to slow down. I've got too much happening right now. I need to tap in. What is this story about? What do I remember learning about chaos and disorganization from my own childhood? What do I recall? Was it painful? Was it scary? Was I confronted with violence in some way? Was I told it wasn't happening, even though it clearly was? What was I told Mm -hmm. about chaos and disorganization? Because that's all alive in my body right now, while my heart rate is racing and I'm feeling dysregulated, to use the words that we're seeing and Mm -hmm. learning. Okay, let me ground myself right in this moment feel my feet on the floor. Even if my kids are raging out around me, they might be screaming, they might be losing their minds, right? Let me ground myself right here in this moment. That is going to resolve itself if I focus on what's going on for me. This is my primary mission, is to turn the attention away from what we're doing for children and turn it inward to the internal work that is crucial um, for our own evolution as people, our own evolution as mothers. 
Yeah, I am so here for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, as Marcy could could tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I mean, this is gonna be good. I think, good. um, I think you and I are doing very similar work in uh-huh. noticing that the work starts in moms and in parents in order to, you know, there's this obsession with like behavior modification in children and stopping or starting certain behaviors. And I think it's very clear that it needs to start with mom and or caregivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. I'm here for that. Go ahead, Mars. Is this similar to kind of what you talk about with like radical acceptance? Yes, absolutely. Radical acceptance is having a sense of total acceptance for yourself in any given moment, total acceptance for your child in any moment, because when we resist, we suffer. Suffering is in the resistance. Suffering Mm -hmm. is in the expectation that things won't be chaotic, that things won't be messy, that I must be perfect, that I have to show up to the grocery store wearing my wedges and my sundress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? What? what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Expectation of it all is where we suffer because we believe that if we do not, you know, meet these external demands, then we are somehow failed or flawed, or we've made a mistake, or something about us is bad, or we're not good enough. And I know practically every single mother I have ever worked with can resonate with that, Mm -hmm. that the simple little things trigger this sense of, wow, I am just not leveling up to the expectations that surround me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, you talk about Conscious Mommy is your new um, online space. And I think that's the biggest part is becoming self-aware. And I think as career professionals or, you know, just before you have kids, it's really easy to not be aware, right? We can throw ourselves at our work. We can use drugs or alcohol to avoid things. We can use socializing to avoid things, avoid, avoid, avoid. And then we have a baby and everything stops. And it's like, oh no. And it all starts to come back your childhood, you know, maybe even things you've already worked through with a therapist. You're like, wait, why is this coming back? Like I thought I, like, you know, I thought I was healed. I thought I was good. And then we become parents and it really requires you to be self-aware, which can be very overwhelming. Well, that's the work that work of, of parenting Mm -hmm. and being a mother. That's the taxing work of mothering. Mm-hmm. Yep. That these children are so triggering. Mm-hmm. And we are fed all kinds of lies that if your child is triggering you, then you need to control your child and you need to change your child. You need mm-hmm. to stop the child from triggering you, right? Mm-hmm. Put the emphasis externally on changing the child. Another lie you're fed is, well, if your child is triggering you, it's because, you know, you aren't you're not doing it right, or you're not doing, doing it well, or whatever mm. ridiculous thing that people are trying to contort triggering into. Mm. Truly, when a child triggers you, it is simply because they are revealing within you something that is unhealed, 
from your past, something that is still a bit of a wound. They have, it's almost like we have a scar and the scar has reopened. Maybe mm. the scar, maybe it was never even knitted. Maybe it has just been a gaping wound for a very long time. Mm. And the child is just revealing and bringing that attention to, to you in that moment that, whoa, I have something here that I'm, that I'm managing. That's where radical acceptance comes in. Mm-hmm. If I resist that, I'm going to act out Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to spiral down and I'm going to feel incredibly guilty about how I behave toward my child or how I didn't behave if I restricted myself or, you know, Mm -hmm. hidden or isolated myself. Or I might, I might feel, you know, like I've been, I might feel, what's the word I'm looking for? some kind of like retribution because now I've taught my child a lesson. You know, you've now learned, don't you dare trigger mommy again. You now, now I put it onto the child and now I've created another cycle for this child to learn. Well, okay. In order for me to be pleasing for the adults around me, I better keep my mouth shut and not step on their toes. Mm, mm-hmm. And then that cycle just, just repeat. Mm. And that child grows up to become a mother and feels like she needs to make sure that the peace is kept and then yeah. can, continues onward. Yeah. See. So I want to get your take on attachment. And I know um, a lot of the moms I work with are so terrified that they're not going to have secure attachment, that what they're doing, whether it's breastfeeding or not, whether it's co-sleeping or not, whether it's, you know, that there's a one right way to mother in order to achieve secure attachment. What, mm-hmm. what have you been seeing in your moms with that, particularly around social media? Cause I know that it's kind of like a hot term right now as attachment. well, like attachment parenting and mm-hmm. attack, like sometimes it's used incorrectly as well yeah. and not yeah, a lot of the times it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because attachment parenting is not based on attachment psychology and yeah. the, the literature on attachment. Um, listen, there's beautiful things about attachment parenting. I love the idea of, you know, following your child's lead and giving to your child what it is that they need. I don't love the pressure that I see it puts on a lot of parents to completely sacrifice themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see mothers who are you know, bags under their eyes that are pitch black that Mm. are so committed to co-sleeping and breastfeeding until three or five or whatever, you know, recommendation that the, that the, their attachment parenting person guru Mm -hmm. has. And I, and their anxiety is so extreme because they feel like they must, you know, be available for every single moment, lest their child feel abandoned and smoked by them. And I just think, gosh, what is this? What is this world that we're setting up for this child? Because we have kind of deluded ourselves into thinking that we can be so perfect and so available for our children. And, and, and what is it setting up the child for? Codependency. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There is a, that this world is perfect and this world is going to perfectly meet all of Mm -hmm. my, perfectly understand me, never, never, uh, never misunderstand me, God forbid, that Mm -hmm. if I ever have a need, it will be met instantly. And And I I don't have to figure it out on my own. And I won't have to figure out Mm -hmm. anything on my own. And I just think, gosh, that's not the real world. The real world is imperfect. 
And there is truly, we have, we have two great gifts that we can give our children. So one great gift that we can give our children is the gift of the imperfect mother, because it gives the child an experience of how to be in an imperfect world. I cannot tell you how many women have sat across from me in therapy who have said, I'll never be able to mother like my mother. My mother was so perfect. She never seemed never seemed to be angry. She never seemed to flip out. So that, that one narrative where all they saw was this mother that just did everything right. Now, of course, when we crack open that story, we realize oh, yeah. delusion. Yes. In no way was that even true. But But the child deluded themselves into believing that that was true because that was part of survival. And I think that's, I think that's a really important point about watching our own mothers and then comparing it to our own experience with mothering, where we're a lot more open now and a lot more people are willing to say how hard it is Mm -hmm. versus maybe our mom's generation. And definitely before then it's like, I love this. Yeah, I'm super happy. I love, I love not doing anything for myself. I want to do it all for my children, you know? So they grow up with that mindset of, oh, so there must be something wrong with me if I don't want that, or if I want something different than that, you know? And I have a question about that, actually. Like, do kids really know what a perfect situation is? I mean, until they're like older and have frontal lobe development and they can reflect and be like, wow, when I was seven, look at all the shit that my mom did for me versus Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I don't think my six-year-old and my four-year-old would like even know what that word means. You know what I mean? Like Jonathan uses it perfect. You know, he's like, oh, that's perfect mommy. But like, does he like, I don't even think he understands the, the magnitude of that, of that word, you know? And it's like, where does this you know, do our memories kind of evolve when we look back on our childhood and our parenting and be, and like, do we kind of, do we really understand what that together? Yeah. Do we really understand what, I mean, because in my, I mean, my mom was not a perfect mom at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, at all, she did the best she could and she did a wonderful job, but like, there are lots of things that, and I talk to Allison about this all the time too. We're going to have a whole episode on this, but like, there are things that I'm like, fuck man, I never want to do that when I'm a mom, you know? And it's, and so it's like, where does this, where does this kind of come in? But she said, you know, many times, like, God, my mom, you know, her mom, my grandma, they had four kids, you know, it was back in the fifties and sixties, you know, she did all the laundry by hand. She did all the cooking by hand. She did, you know, cook from scratch every single day. She made their own fucking clothes. You know, she like, clean the goddamn house. I mean, she was like wearing an apron and doing all this shit. And then she like worked as a secretary, you know, when the kids were older and it's just like, and my mom was like, how did she do that when there was four of us, like still having babies, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, by herself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that's a super mom. She's a superhero and mo- all moms are super moms and superheroes. We're all doing that maybe not to that, maybe not that physical labor, but the mental load and the mental labor of modern parents is, is, is extreme. I mean, the things that we have to deal with school shootings and pandemic, pandemic, (laughs) human rights, you know, political unrest, discrimination, climate change, you know, yeah. We're dealing with our own load of, of or how things. about childcare, <laughs> childcare. or lack thereof. 
support as a mom in the workplace yeah or lack yeah. thereof stagnant wages like yes. huge student debt housing crisis i mean mm-hmm. yeah the, the amount of crises that we as a generation are dealing with are are pretty pretty insane but everybody every generation has their their story of like look what we prevailed through and mm-hmm. look what we're capable of and if anyone is going to show the world what people are capable of it is mothers yeah mothers show the world what human beings are capable of they are the most amazing breed of human beings that can exist i love mothers um your question have you seen that have you seen that me that meme brie where it's like it's a it's a it says moms um and it's like we really need help like we're overwhelmed right and then it says society Oh God, you guys are just superheroes. You're I mean, doing I great. just don't know how you do it. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> no, no, wait, but we really no. I, yeah, like, honestly, help. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you do you're it. You're doing great, mom. Like, we're not doing it. We just right. have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that I did see that. I actually just came across it again for I think the hundredth time this morning. Yeah. It's so good. Such a good reminder that yeah. like. We have been sounding the alarms for a yeah. very long time. So long. So um, long. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I, I wanted to also say what the second gift to attachment is, um, because I think this one is really important that is not talked about in the attachment parenting literature and is, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> oh, I've got a little frog in my throat. Okay. It's not talked about in the attachment parenting literature, but it is cited in all of the attachment psychology research. So um, Peter Fonagy is who was the first person to coin this term reflective functioning. And so what he found uh, through his many years of research is if a parent is able to make sense of their past and how their past influences how they show up in relationship with the child, that is the sole and most significant factor for a healthy, secure attachment for that child. So in essence, a parent's internal work, understanding their life narratives, understanding the ins and the outs of what has happened to them, the ghosts and the angels, the good and the bad, that understanding that self-awareness is exactly what leads and frees children to have healthy, secure attachment, not only in the child-parent relationship, but in all of the future relationships that they will have. So it's not actually breastfeeding that leads necessarily to a healthy attachment. It can, but not necessarily. It's not bed sharing. It's not birthing at home. It's not all the other Bs. I know there are six Mm -hmm. primary Bs, but I can't remember them, of an attachment parenting Mm -hmm. model. It is really our willingness to reflect. Can we, are we willing to go there? And that Mm -hmm. is something that, that we, I want to be shouting more from the rooftops. Mm Yes. Really encouraging people to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we've talked about my breastfeeding journey and how it came to a point where I was like, oh, I, you know, like we, there's a breastfeeding mom who in my case, I was like, no, I need to breastfeed. I need to breastfeed. You know, like that's what makes a good mom. That's what makes right. Mm-hmm. 
I was depressed. I was anxious. It, she was miserable. I was miserable. And then I had this light bulb moment and I was like, oh, I'm prioritizing my own need to be a good mom mm-hmm. over what's best for my baby, which clearly at that point was formula. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that day I changed. Mm-hmm. And I just think that happens so much where moms follow a status quo Mm-hmm. that they believe is is correct and instead can't tap in and listen to their own intuition and their own gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably stems from childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Questioning their own abilities, questioning their choices. Yeah. And it also stems from what Marcy was talking about. Um, the The historical nature of being a mother means you sacrifice Mm-hmm. yourself. So, so Correct. when I hear a mom saying I'm depressed and I'm trying to keep up with breastfeeding, what mm-hmm. I hear is a society that has refused to acknowledge and appreciate and support maternal mental health and has mm-hmm. actually valued some, you know, ideal like breastfeeding over a woman's yes. mental health. Yes. And, and that is this this is an age old story. I think mm-hmm. we're still fighting we for maternal mental health to oh, be 100%. Right? Yes. Yeah, I mean I've I said this in a previous episode but I'd love to hear your opinion on this Brie, but going on the breastfeeding thing, I was speaking at this event a couple of months ago and they had me on a panel with a lactation consultant who was like the lactation support person for the local hospital and her message to the room full of new mom, pregnant women haven't even had their babies yet was like, she said, you need to make the commitment to breastfeed. Now, this is a commitment. You make the decision now, and we're here to help you with that. But this is the best thing for your baby. And, and you need to decide that this is something that you're going to do, you know, no matter what. Hmm. And I was just like thinking, and I talked to Allison about this. I mean, that like really bothered me. Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and I said, after she was done talking, I said to the moms and I was like, um, so, you know, just, just like closing a little <laughs> segment here, you know, just I'm to like, wrap up, just to wrap up, um, <laughs> you know, cause like my whole thing was there to talk about pelvic floor stuff. Right. So like, you know, to wrap up, I was like, listen, you know, every birth is different. Every postpartum experience is different. The most important thing is your mental health, your physical health, and what, you know, you can do for yourself because like you can't care for that baby and your family if you are in a place where you're struggling. So whatever decisions you make for your family, you know, will be the right ones. And we're here to help you with that, you know, and then I just kind of left it at that. But like, that is the message in 2021 mm-hmm. that women and moms are getting from the healthcare providers. Like no matter what the fuck it takes, yeah, you will put that boob in your baby's mouth. Yeah. And if you don't, what type of mother are you? Yeah. Because you're choosing something that's not the best quote unquote for your baby. I mean, that's what I heard from that. Correct. Yeah. And, yeah. and like when I transitioned my kids to formula, you know, when Jonathan kind of self-weaned and then when Will was just fucking, it was such a nightmare. I felt that I felt that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was hard for me to do. I mean, a little bit easier with Will because he was my second and I was like, yeah, he'll be fine. But like, I was like ashamed to bring out a, a bottle in public. Mm. I hear that, that, that happens a lot in my groups. I've had moms like hide the bottle and, and then kind of like say behind their hand, like, 
is it okay for, for me to feed my baby right now? And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, of course. Yeah. Please do yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> Please yeah. Yeah. Why are we asking permission? Wow. Why are we asking permission to do with our bodies mm-hmm. what we choose and need to do with our bodies? Right. If not breastfeeding, fantastic. If that is not breastfeeding, fantastic. Yeah. It's all fantastic. Yeah. Or if, if we have agency, I am. What I hear from that is is a person in a position of authority reminding women that they don't have agency over their bodies, that their bodies are to be used for the benefit of someone or something else. And I just, we can't, we cannot live according to those kinds of ideals anymore. If If a woman just decides, I don't want to breastfeed Hallelujah. Glad you make made the decision that works for you and for your body. And so glad that we live in an age where we have a that substitute, right. right? Where we have wonderful formula choices mm-hmm. that are healthy for and the safe. baby and safe. safe. Yeah. And we have access to clean water and we can oh, walk yeah. into Target and choose the from 400 different kinds. Yeah. You know, and listen to me. I say this as a breastfeeding mom. Right. I breastfed my first until he was two, and I'm still breastfeeding my second at ten months. We breastfeed, and then I pump bottles when I when I'm not available. I say this as a breastfeeding mom. Like I'm not. I love breastfeeding. I think breastfeeding is great. Breastfeeding worked out for me, and yeah. I have enough experience with moms. Ten years of working with moms. <laughs> hundreds, thousands of moms at this point to know that that is not the case for every mom and not one mother should feel ashamed because breastfeeding is a relationship. It is not something that you do to a baby. It is something that you and a baby work together to do. And if that relationship works, cool. If that relationship doesn't work, we still got to feed the baby. So let's go ahead and put the shame away because the shame isn't serving anybody. Put a bottle in that baby's mouth and move on with your lives because I can guarantee you in two years, three years, it literally will not matter. It will literally not matter. You cannot tell the difference. I know that, that the breastfeeding advocates will say, I've been around enough children to tell you, I can't in my preschool tell you which one was breastfed and which one was formula fed. I have no idea, but I can tell you which child has a mother with, with healthy mental health. I can't tell you which one does not. I can absolutely tell you that. So why are we not talking about that? That just gave that just gave me goosebumps. Because that just gave me maternal care is still infant Infant centered. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. BS. Like it's absolutely BS. They need to be separate. That I mean, I even have separate. Um, certifications. I'm I'm a perinatal mental health specialist, so board certified perinatal. And then I'm also certified as an infant family and early childhood mental health specialist. So I actually have both certifications because they are different worlds, even though they overlap because you can't have a baby without a mother. You can't have a mother without a baby. So there is this dyadic nature of the two. But you are so right, Allison, that the discussion has been focused on Mm -hmm. what is best for the child at the expense of the mother. Yes. hundred percent. Right. That way anymore. It's actually too much pressure on the children. Mm-hmm. Much for mm-hmm. these children did they, cause then they end up, you know, unconsciously or subconsciously becoming responsible for the wellness of the mother. 
Right. Yeah. That was the case for me. My mother, my mother was not well. My mother had a, her, my first, my oldest brother, when she was, um, you know, 19 turning 20, she ended up having four kids in six years. So by the time my mother was 26 years old, she had four children under the age of six. This was in the 80s. Postpartum depression wasn't discussed. Postpartum rage was not discussed. Postpartum anxiety, um, postpartum PTSD. None of these things were a discussion. You just carried on. You did it because that's what you do now. And you smile and just fucking keep going. I'm so blessed. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. Essentially a child guys. Yeah. Yeah. A child. And, you know, she had, she had two faces. She had her public persona who everybody saw and everybody loved and adored, right? The put together, hair always done, makeup always done. And then she had who she really was in the home, which was a raging, hot, scary, fiery mess that we all felt very responsible for. We were made to be responsible for that because there was nobody looking after her. Nobody saying, hey, Cher, how are you? Yeah. Yeah to talk to you do you need some support you have four kids under six and you're a stay-at-home mom yeah jesus fucking christ oh my god yeah Yeah. i'll help you yeah at all a part of the discussion and so here i am now with my two kids at 35 years old trying to undo Mm -hmm. all of that all of the the mess of the generation before and the generation yep because you know, these things, they're cyclical. My mom didn't just happen in a vacuum. She right. happened because of yeah. mom and, and her mom's mom. And right. You know. Well, and I think that's such an important point too, Ugh. because you hear a lot like, Sometimes. do you know what I gave up for you? Like mm. I, I gave up all of this for you and you're just going to go and blah, blah, blah. So then there's this huge burden that we put on children to either perform in school or sports or just do well in life because their parents gave up so much for them. And it's like, no one and like, then, and then we wonder why we feel like we have no worth. Yes. Then we wonder why we feel like we're not good enough because we were conditioned very, very early that your worthiness needs to be earned your love and care Correct. and attention needs to be earned. Your food needs to be earned. Your shelter and your safety needs to be earned. And if we want to have a generation of folks that feel good about themselves, these basic necessities for food, love, shelter, connection, understanding, empathy, they cannot come with conditions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, conditional love is how perfectionists are born. And look at all of us mothers who are perfectionists. And when we have this, this child that like, you know, before kids, it's like, all right, you kind of can like control a lot as Mm. a perfectionist, you know? And then you have a baby and I see this in all my clients and they're like, wait, I, I, there must be, I, there must be a way I can figure out to make this baby stop crying. Right. Mm. Like, you know, Mm. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I, I get things done. And then they can't because it's another human with their own emotions and their own agendas. And moms are just like so out of their mind anxious mm-hmm. because they can't control, you know, baby sleep. I, I see it manifest in all these different ways, like sleep schedules. Like I got to figure out the, the perfect wake window. It's on me, right? Mm-hmm. It can't just be that this baby is just not a very good sleeper. 
You know, like some babies are, some babies aren't. Right. Right. I think that piece that you said, Brie, too, is like, God damn, that like hits so close to home for me where we feel like, you know, that we're not good enough and that, you know, we're not worthy enough. And and I talked to Allison about this the other day. Like I'm almost fucking 40. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm almost fucking 40. And I'm speaking of this event in next week that I'm like very excited about. I sent my mom the link. I was like, mom, look what I'm doing. You know, fucking mm-hmm. 40 years old, still looking for my mom to be like, yeah, I'm so proud of you. You're working so hard. Look at all of this stuff. Like radio silence, no response. Then I sent her another text that was like, no response, you know, a couple hours later. And then she responds back. Oh, good job. Oh. And I'm like, I'm 40 and I'm still like, like reaching out to my mom, like trying to be like waiting for that. Tell me that I'm, that I'm doing a good, like, give me, give me something here, you know? And yeah. I'm like, and I was looking at that response and I was like, fuck man, I like, I never want my boys to feel like that. Yeah. And that, And that like at 40, they still have to ask me for like a like, I don't know. It's really fucking crazy, man. And I'm like, did you see the uh, burning man where they had the sculptures of two adults sitting mm -hmm. back to back and their arms are crossed and then inside of them, it's two children who are like putting their hands like this. Like, we're just like. Inner, like our chill, our inner child just needs to be like heard and validated. Yeah. We're all just a bunch of grown up children who are unhealed from their own trauma, trying yeah. to parent these new children. And it's right. like, ah. right. I know it's so complex. Like there's just so many layers, right? Yeah. And it's I gotta, like, I gotta look this up for you guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's just, it's like, so it's just so intense. Like when you take a minute and just reflect, like you said about what, struggles you have still and what wounds are still open and like how you, you know, respond to that. And it's just like the saying on the airplane, you know, your mask first before others, like Mm -hmm. it's the same, like you have to take care of yourself first. You cannot, I cannot be who my boys need me to be or who I want to be for them. Mm -hmm. If I'm still like trying to figure out my own worth as a 40 fucking year old woman. Yep reaching out to my mom about something that I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's insanity. And I I think it like speaks to something so important. It speaks to how much we, we are so connected to our mothers and needing, needing that. Now I believe that it is conditioned, um, need the approval piece Mm. and needing to please mommy is, is conditioned in being a good girl. Are you going to be a good girl today at school, Marcy? Are you going to be listening ears when, when your teacher calls your name, Marcy, are you going to do your homework like a good little girl, Marcy, right? These little micro conditionings that, you know, when we look at it from a surface level, like, ah, how bad can that be? You know, it's just reminding you to be well-behaved in school. Like, that's not a bad thing, right? That, that, right. that could possibly be, be harmful. And then we we look at the long term. We look at what 40 years of that has led to. And it has led to, you know, you use the word, Allison, codependency. It's led to a codependent um, attachment where, like, I I need you to confirm and uh, confirm my worth with mm-hmm. your or else 
the opposite is true. So it creates this black and white. Mm -hmm. If you do not confirm my worth, it is because my worth is denied here. Mm -hmm. And I I don't have it. I am Mm -hmm. worthless. So one of the best gifts that we can give ourselves, which will flow into our children, is the gift of our own worth. So not relying on others to confirm our worthiness, but to actually accept our worthiness as as what it is it already mm-hmm. we we were born with worth we were bur- we were born good we were mm-hmm. born with you know we were born essentially perfect if you will but not in the you know way that we've kind yeah. of connected yeah. right. but in but the way i look at it as in full acceptance of our strengths in full acceptance, acknowledgement, and okayness with our weaknesses and our flaws. And babies do it so brilliantly, don't they? Because Oh my gosh, I love watching toddlers do that. They look to their parents and they don't even for a second feel bad about falling. They may cry and get their boo-boo kissed and then they stand up and they they keep going. They they make a mistake. Oh, well, that was silly. Here's what I meant. And they... Mm -hmm forward, they really have a joy in being able to just laugh at themselves and laugh at like these childlike ways of being. And and I think we can, you know, pull that in for ourselves a little bit and remember that we all came from that. And mm-hmm. that is that has that not left us. Even if it's been conditioned out of us, it has not right. left yeah. It is yeah. still. And then, then the gift to the child is the gift of them discovering and knowing their own worth and us not conditioning them to rely on us to validate them right right? validation is not evaluation so not offering evaluations of oh that's a really good job you did there or wow Mm -hmm. you're really making mommy proud look how proud you're making mommy we're putting the emphasis all all on us that's Mm -hmm. all on our child who is saying i really need to make sure that i make an adult proud so Mm -hmm. let me in this child to know that they need to make an adult proud to have worth. Mm. We can interrupt that that process. It aware. is it is hard though because yeah. we live in a validation achievement based society, right? Get good grades, do good in school, get a high paying job. You know, like yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's reinforced everywhere, not just mm-hmm. in parenting. So it takes a really really secure parent to be able to raise a child that way. Mm-hmm. And be able to defy all of these societal and cultural norms because it's so easy to just fall into what everyone else is doing because mm-hmm. we're we're animals, we're we're mammals at heart that just want to fit in, right, yeah. with everyone. Um, yeah, yeah, there's there's That's so much I to it. I like learning, minding the mind, right? Learning mm-hmm. how to observe your own process in the moment is so critical. Being because- conscious. That's being conscious. Plug. That's being conscious. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> true. It is true because you can we you can recognize it, right? You can recognize, yeah. whoa, I I desire to be countercultural and push against these norms here. And I am seeing myself playing it out right now in this moment. That's interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna play with it. Let's see. Maybe I do play it out. And then maybe I observe how do I feel afterward? How did it impact my child? It's the unconscious acting out. 
It is the unconscious acceptance of cultural norms that actually keeps us in cycles, keeps us repeating the things that were done to us. The consciousness, let me say this, does not mean that you never act unconsciously. The consciousness doesn't mean that you, you know, do everything perfectly and that you're always self-aware. The consciousness simply means I have a willingness to be self-aware. And that might mean several days later, several weeks later, several years later, I might find myself reflecting on my behavior my actions or my moments. And knowing that all of that can be fixed, if you will, all of Mm -hmm. that can be re-explored, re-examined, processed. It's not that we have to stay stuck. Do you see what I mean? Is yeah. that make, I think that's making sense. No, totally. And forgiving yourself for, yeah. you know, being able to do that compassionately and be like, oh, you know, I did the best I could then, yeah. but I'm going to choose differently going forward. Amen. Right. Grace. Yeah. Give yourself yeah. grace. We need more grace. That's not, there's not enough of that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see enough messages of, hey, mama, today, if you give yourself anything, give yourself grace and a nice warm cup of coffee. I want to see more messages like that to, to moms because the the alternative is what I believe is really, I, I see the most of, which is be perfect, do everything right. Don't make any mistakes. Make sure that your children are happy. If your children aren't happy, it's because you've messed them up and because you're not doing enough for them. Make sure your husband's happy. If he's not happy, it's because you aren't doing enough for him. And all of the, you guys know, I, I feel like I'm yeah. pushing tomorrow now. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we're we here. I mean, I mean, we could say it all the live long day. Yeah. Every, every, every. But episode. we do want to be respectful of your time, though. Yes, so let's, yes. um, where can moms find you? Like, what's a current project that you're yeah. working on? What's the best way the for them to reach out and, and get you? So first of all, um, go to consciousmommy.com. I have okay. a free 27 page beautiful guide that I've created for the conscious mommy. If you sign up for my newsletter, you will get that guide directly to your email box Mm. and then follow me on um, conscious mommy on Instagram. And if you're really interested and invested in this, this work um, for yourself as a mom, you can join my conscious mommy community, private Facebook group where we have more um, intimate conversations. Um, You know, I find that like having, trying to have intimate discussions, like this on Instagram is a little yeah less appealing. It's hard, yeah. So public and like right. you, you can't search. Like you can't search someone's Instagram right. page and be like, what did they say about this? And what are others right. thinking really about this? Sure. The private Facebook community really lends itself to, I think, building you know little deeper relationships. So those are the three main avenues: the freebie, the um, Instagram, and the private Facebook community. Conscious Mommy will take you there. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, I'm downloading immediately yeah (laughs) immediately thank you so much yes thank you so much this was so awesome I loved seeing you again and connecting it's been too long and you're just a wealth and thank you so much for sharing your expertise and and talking so openly and so beautifully about your work so thank you thank you ladies it was a pleasure love love seeing you Marcy and great to meet you Allison great to meet you all Mm -hmm. right Bree thank you so much She's great. I could could do that shit all day. I know. I I could just all day. All day long. I know. She's really good. That was awesome. Yeah. Hope you guys found that helpful and you follow her at conscious mommy on Instagram. 
and um she's a great resource and we are great resources too so email us let us know we can help you (laughs) she's a great resource we are also great resources so follow us as follow well. us also not just alpha not just our um, guests at <laughs> no mama left behind <laughs> underscore the podcast marcy is at the down there doc i am at the honest peach we're honest we're down there we're honest about down there we're honestly down there we are honest about it all yeah and uh we'll see you on the other side Moms. And I will be. Peace.